The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Nance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride. We have Nathan Miller at the board. He is our producer doing his typical yeoman's duty, keeping us Well, he makes sure we stay in our lane. That's the bottom line. And today, I think the bottom line is that if you're searching for America, think in terms of standards. Think in terms of jazz greats, of those immortal voices, of people who left behind a legacy of song, yes, but also left behind birthplaces, homes that they owned, museums in their honor, venues of all sorts, maybe some of their favorite haunts. We're talking about people who gave us the gold standard of music all those decades ago. And if we're going to talk about that, we're going to turn to a man named Jeffrey Mark. You know him from previous episodes of this show. Jeffrey is considered a walking encyclopedia of Hollywood and show business generally, certainly music culture included, And he's just great to talk to. Oh, the stories he knows. Fact is, some of these shows you watch on TV where they give you the latest entertainment news, when they check for veracity, they call Jeffrey Mark. And that's a fact. We're going to get to some very classic and classy facts on the other side of our short break. This is American Road Trip Talk, and we will be right back. Whether your perfect winter wonderland is on snow-covered Mount Hood or in a cozy, warm boutique winery or craft brewery, Mount Hood Territory is the place for your next winter stay. Hit the ski slopes midweek for fewer crowds and lift lines. Learn a new skill on a guided snowmobiling snowshoe or Nordic ski tour. Fuel up and support local at restaurants along Highway 26, brimming with chill mountain vibes. Warm up from the inside in Mount Hood Territory's craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries. And visit its boutique wineries for an intimate and casual experience during cellar season. Plan your trip at mounthoodterritory.com slash winter. You can enter the American Road Monumental Moments Photo Contest now through January 14, 2023. Share your entries on social media with the hashtag ARMAG20YEARS. That's armag 20 years and we may even share your post on our pages but don't forget to enter the contest for your chance to win first place wins a $500 gift card and two nights at the inn on the square in greenwood south carolina a total prize worth $750 we want to give special thanks to our monumental moments photo contest sponsors oregon's mount hood territory the city of West Wendover, Nevada, and the old 96th District Tourism Commission in South Carolina. Monumental Moments Photo Contest. Enter now. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, They end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, Alert Drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get Alert Drops. 
a simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Adventure, history, and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. I can tell you what and who is up next. We're going to talk with Jeffrey Mark. He has been a friend of this show and an excellent contributor for quite a while now. And we're delighted to have him back with us once again for a special topic. Jeffrey, welcome back to the show. Ooh, the pressure is on. (laughs) For you, never. You have this stuff down. And so we get to learn a lot from you, Jeffrey. I'd like to begin with the idea that People, for example, they will go to Major League Baseball stadiums or even hockey arenas, football stadiums around the country, and for them, it's a kind of circuitous pilgrimage. Why not do the same thing, I asked myself recently, if you wanted to follow your favorite musicians? If you wanted to go, it might be by genre or individuals, but there are plenty of places from coast to coast where you can go and visit and be a part of the legacy of some music greats. And I thought, who better to ask than Jeffrey Mark? Just for starters, Jeffrey, you're an expert on the wonderful Ella Fitzgerald. And I wonder, she died, I believe it was in 1996, if I recall. And yet she leaves a footprint that is extraordinarily large in the world of music and entertainment generally. If I wanted to go and find out all I could find out in person about Ella Fitzgerald, where might I go? Well, you probably knock on my door. And- <laughs> For one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love the concept. I love the concept of comparing visiting sports stadiums with visiting where people who have made music, where their their DNA have touched. The problem is sports stadiums, sports museums, halls of fame, by their very nature, are put there to be found. People's homes, not so much. Uh, The wealthier and the more famous people get, the more privacy they seek. There are a lot of places one could search out for Ella. You know, born in Newport News. Well, I don't think anybody even knows if that street exists anymore because we're talking about geography from over 100 years ago. She did own a lovely home in St. Albans, Queens in New York back in the late 40s and early 50s before she moved to Los Angeles. And then there are two mansions in L.A., uh, one through about 1974, and then where Ella lived for the rest of her life. But they're hard to find. It's it's not like there's a plaque, Ella Fitzgerald scattered here. Uh, These homes are behind gates and hedges and shrubbery for privacy's sake. In fact, the last house 
uh, where Ella spent her last days, had this gorgeous, gorgeous garden lanai thing and a, 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 a party room where every musician, every singer in LA would go, even if Ella was on the road and, and they had, it was stocked with booze. It was stocked with food. There was a piano. There were just so people had a place to be if they were in Los Angeles, but it's not like you can go knock up on the door and ask to take pictures. Uh, the houses people lived in have been sold to other people quite often. If we can go off of music for half a second, like Lucille Ball, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz lived in Beverly Hills on one of the most star studded streets there were. But, but when, when Miss Ball died, uh, the people who bought the house did not want people click, click, clicking in front of their house with cameras. So they changed the entire facade. So it doesn't look the same. So these places are hard to find. And maybe for our fans out there who are treasure hunters, maybe that it's more difficult, makes it more fun for them. So for, for Ella, there is the house in Queens and two mansions in LA. We mentioned Frank Sinatra. Hoboken, New Jersey, is just across the river from Manhattan. Uh, it's, it's almost like a, a sleepy suburb of Manhattan. But the, the, the Hoboken of Mr. Sinatra's youth barely exists. Um, those streets have long been torn down. His haunts, the, the saloon his family owned. I believe there is a house that has a plaque on it for where he grew up. I think that is findable. So you Sinatra fans, if you go to New York, I think if you go to Hoboken, that you can find. Uh, the, the more fun find is out here in the California desert, where in Rancho Mirage, Mr. Sinatra had a whole compound of houses and guest houses and a heliport. And uh, that's where there's a wonderful, too long for today's story about what happened when he invited president Kennedy to stay there. And he spent like a million dollars making it presidential ready. And Mr. Kennedy decided to go to stay with Bing Crosby because of politics. But that house can be seen from the street. You can search that out. So I, I would say if you're, if Mr. Sinatra is what makes you breathe, go to Hoboken and come to Rancho Mirage, California. That's where you'll find the essence of Frank Sinatra. And I'll give you a chance to ask a question. And that's all good information. Some of that is new news to me, Jeffrey. Are there many places, and I think I'm begging the question here, but we'll get the story out. If one goes to Las Vegas, I think there would be several to many places habituated by Mr. Sinatra, along with his buddies in the Rat Pack, where you can go and drink where they drank, eat where they ate, and socialize in the grand fashion. Please forgive me for, for, for piercing your balloon. No. Las Vegas, of almost every town, large city in this country, reinvents itself and tears stuff down and rebuilds. The, the Las Vegas that Mr. Sinatra and his friends first occupied, uh, the only thing that would be left would be the Flamingo Hotel. Because uh, it was the, one of the first ones and it still stands. But where the rat pack, the years that those men 
made movies together and appeared in Vegas together and partied together, their hotel that Mr. Sinatra was a part owner in was the Sands. Mm-hmm. That's where they had private bungalows to live in. Again, a private heliports. That's where they had every possible luxury accommodation you could think of. Well, the Sands was imploded more than 20 years ago. It doesn't exist anymore. The Cal Neva Lodge that Mr. Sinatra was part owner of, uh, where half the lodge was in Nevada and half the lodge was in California. And as you walk across the lobby, you cross state lines. Mm. Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, the, the, the Italian restaurants he liked, gone. You're better off back in Rancho Mirage, California. There are a couple of Italian restaurants. Uh, I've eaten in them where Mr. Sinatra uh, and his friends used to go. And the food is delicious. Like I've sang, I've sung in one uh, because they have, uh, they have people there playing instruments. Uh, and I was asked by the management to sing a song. You can find that. Even in Beverly Hills, unfortunately, the, the, the places that these kinds of people went to come and go. As, as popularity wanes, I, I think L.A. is one of the thickest towns in the world as far as saloons and restaurants and hangout clubs. They're hot for five or six years, and then they disappear. I, mean, I was just having this conversation with a singer, and we were talking about our favorite places to hang out in Los Angeles. All gone. And that's my generation. So one would have to be a very good detective uh, to find those places, even in New York. Uh, Jilly's Bar is gone. Uh, the Jewish delis are gone, which is hard for me to believe that, but they are. Uh, the, the, the great nightclubs are gone. You're better off looking for people's homes. You're better off if there is a place like Dolly Parton has this whole thing about where she was born and uh, the Louis Armstrong's birthplace in New Orleans. See, New Orleans is an easier place because New Orleans has kept itself. New Orleans doesn't keep doing a facelift every three years. So there, there are there are there are old buildings still there. Their history still breathes, but for some of these things, they don't. Um, one could very easily take a tour of Beverly Hills, and if you're talking about the standards, uh, there's one street where Rosemary Clooney lived right next door to uh, Dionne Warwick. Isn't that great? And across the, it was Rosemary Clooney's house. Next door was Dionne Warwick. Next door was Ira Gershwin. Across the street was Jack Benny. And then next to Jack Benny was Lucy and Desi. And then Lucy and Gary Morton. Across the main street, the other way was James Stewart. And then around the corner were, were Joey Bishop and Jack Carter. And, and Jack Carter's wife would tell stories of uh, for Jewish holidays, making blintzes, which are uh, fruit and potato filled crepes, Jewish style. And she would just carry them in trays around the corner and drop some off with Rosemary Clooney and drop some off with Lucy and Gary. And uh, people would have extra stuff. They'd knock on. It was a, a village of very, very famous people. Uh, Beverly Hills still stands. Many of these houses still stand. 
but not necessarily famous people live in them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, celebrities, Beverly Hills is not the destination it used to be for very wealthy people. Uh, Beverly Hills has gotten corporate. So now, now the people who we listen to and admire, they live in Bel Air, they live in Pacific Palisades, or they don't live in LA at all. They, they fly in for what they need and then they have a compound elsewhere in the country or elsewhere in the world. But um, one has to be a sleuth. I'm not saying you can't go out there, folks. If, if you want a road trip, because this show is all about road trips, and I, yay, go road trips. Uh, but, but do some research. Uh, and your best places to find them will be Southern California and New York. Uh, Las Vegas, unfortunately, is only about the newest, greatest, latest. New Orleans is specific to that kind of jazz. But there, there, it's, if, you, if you love being a detective, you can go and have a good time. I, I, hey, we all love that kind of thing. I went to Celeron, New York uh, one year. They were celebrating Lucille Ball's birthday. And because I'm associated with the family and have written books about her, uh, I got to sit in her bathtub in the house she grew up in in Celeron, New York. Of course, that's, of course, that's a lot of fun. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the house that her family first lived in in Hollywood, you can't get near it. Uh, the people who live there want no part of the celebrity experience. They've changed the out. They've even changed the number. They legally had the street address changed. So you can't find it. In Celeron, where, where, where the Lucille Ball festivals are, in Jamestown, Celeron is a little suburb of Jamestown. The whole city lives for Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. And yeah, if you're a Lucy fan, that's the place to go. And now you have me wondering, and thank you, Jeffrey, for that excellent information. So people need to know, you need to do your sleuthing, do your research. What about the days, and I think it goes back to the 60s, if not earlier, was it really, because it's kind of, uh, in a way, it's lampooned, I see, in pop culture, sometimes on sitcoms, and I'm thinking of like the Beverly Hillbillies. Was it a big business for people to buy these stars map, maps to the stars' homes, and then follow them around? I guess that's a bit of sleuthing. Somebody did a lot of the spade work for you. Well, you know, Times were different back then. On one hand, you didn't have the internet assisting you. But on the other hand, information wasn't being buried either. So anyone's address could be found. Uh, And part of the reason why so many of these people lived in Beverly Hills, for those of you who have never been to Southern California, Beverly Hills is a lovely, lovely, lovely place. Really and truly it is. But there's nothing there. There are some restaurants. There are a few offices of some doctors and psychiatrists. Mostly, it's street after street after street of one very large looking house after another. And it was part of the publicity. Sometimes the studios would buy these houses for their stars just to give them a a patina of oh my goodness, they're so special. They live in a mansion. And about half these houses 
If you go inside the house, the inside of the house is about half the size of the front of the house. They're not all these huge mansions we think they are. They're large houses. Uh, Lucille Ball and Desiarnez never referred to their house as a mansion. They said, it's a large house. But a mansion has like 9, 10, 12 bedrooms. A place that has four bedrooms is not a mansion. It's a large house. Uh, it was easier to find. The maps probably became antiquated after World War II. Uh, life became more sophisticated, and the stars wanted more privacy. That kind of glamour publicity wasn't as big after the war. And people, again, weren't always living in Beverly Hills anymore. Uh, Beverly Hills was so secluded and so quiet. That's why people moved there. Uh, to, to not live right on top of the studios. But Beverly Hills is crowded. It's, it's, there's no open spaces in Beverly Hills anymore. It's all occupied property. But you don't find the big stars there anymore. It's, it's too easy. It's too easy to get to them. It's too easy to knock on their door. It's too easy to climb over their fence and grab a grapefruit like Lucy did. That happened to her, by the way. There's an episode of I Love Lucy where Lucy and Ethel climb over Richard Woodmark's uh, fence to get a grapefruit growing in his yard. And in the 60s, somebody did that to Lucille Ball in her yard, and they were caught and were brought to the front door. And the response was, you did it on television. Why are you angry at me for doing it? Wow. So you can see where that's a cute story. But what if the person had harm intended? You know, these days, people don't want to be so accessible. Oh, yes. As uh, we celebrate a, a, uh, an anniversary that brings us uh, a lot of sadness, a lot of grief in the, the death of John Lennon. You do know I was there, right? I, well, here we go, folks. No, I did not know that, Jeffrey. You were there. Please share. Okay. I mean, this is completely off topic, but if you want to see where John Lennon was assassinated... It is a building called the Dakota on West 72nd Street off of Central Park West in Manhattan. I had a late date with a lady friend of my mom. It's like my sister. And in those days in New York, you could, if you had dinner one o'clock in the morning, it was not a big deal. And I was walking down Central Park West and made a right hand turn on 72nd Street. That's where the Dakota is. My, my friend Phyllis lived across the street and a little way, a few houses down in an apartment building. In those days, the Dakota, the front door still is not on the street. There is this archway and you walk into a large, not terribly well-lit courtyard in those days. And then as you dog led to the left, that's where the front door to the building is and the doormat. I was putting my foot into that archway on the street when I heard the shots. I first thought, that it was a, a handsome cab, not a handsome cab, a uh, checker cab backfiring. Because in those days, you still heard backfires in cars, mm-hmm. especially checker was a special kind of makeup cab. They backfired for some reason. And then I looked to my right and I, what I could see in the dimly lit courtyard was man down, man over him with gun. I could not see Yoko. She was in the shadows behind them. Once I saw that, I ran like hell against traffic to the other side of the street, 
went to Phyllis's building, let myself in because I had a key. She was taking a bath. I put the TV on and WOR Channel 9 in New York was the first to break in with the bulletin. And that's how I found out who it was that I saw down there. Oh, my. Because I couldn't see well enough. It was not well lit. Today, there's a great big metal fence up there. And I don't know. I don't, you have to be the king of Nairobi or something to get in there. It's, it's all very, very, very secure now. And because of that, you can't get into apartment buildings in New York as easily as you used to. But yeah, I, I was a witness. And um, I've always felt guilty that I didn't call the police. Um, and I, I know we're, we're running very short on time. Maybe you'll have me back and we'll talk about more about this event because I have a lot more to say about it. We certainly will, Jeffrey. I had no idea. And uh, absolutely, we need to talk about this, this uh, pivotal moment in the, the appreciation of pop culture, particularly among us baby boomers and many others besides. Yes, sir, we definitely will do that. I want to thank you, Jeffrey, for joining us. I think we are on to something here in terms of going to where the legacy remains among the pop stars of our youth and hopefully well beyond to the next generation and beyond. Thank you, Jeffrey Mark, for joining us again today. Always a pleasure, sir. Always a pleasure to be here. Even, even not feeling well, I came because I want to be with Gary. You're a soldier. We will talk again soon, Jeffrey. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Jeffrey Mark, everybody. We'll be right back. You've probably heard of Fargo, North Dakota, but we'll bet it's different from what you expected. Add Fargo to your bucket list this fall and find bold autumn colors along the Red River of the North, cow print, and Mario Brothers-themed murals, the world's largest dilly bar, and of course, the nicest people you've ever met. Experience North, that is, north of normal. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Aiken, South Carolina. It's a small southern town built on equestrian traditions, sporting fun, and outdoor pursuits. Located in western South Carolina, just 20 miles from the Georgia state line, Aiken has many unique activities to cater to each kind of visitor's needs. Welcome to Aiken, South Carolina, and welcome to the Sporting South. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. We have... Christmas time in Detroit for you. They have their own Christmas culture, and we'll hear all about it next week on American Road Trip Talk. Thanks for tuning in, along with Thomas and Becky Rapp, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. <laughs>